recording, yeah? Good stuff. Lovely to be with you again to uh, share something from God's uh, precious word to encourage us, uh, keep us going, keep us faithful, keep us positive, keep us full of hope as we've been hearing of this morning. I have two brothers in the natural. They're both older than me. One is just uh, two years and the other is seven years older. Through our lives, we haven't seen a lot of each other, not because there's any problems between us. It's just we've, we've been busy as uh, men with families and everything. My eldest brother uh, was a pastor for many years. He's retired now. He's 80 uh, this year. And um, I was busy, obviously, with church. And, uh, but we, we just didn't. We were just busy. We didn't have a problem. And when we do meet up, we're fine. We just enjoy each other's company. Of late, Daphne thought it would be good if us brothers got together. Uh, as we get closer to the end, I suppose, <laughs> as it were, um, just to, I don't know, catch up on um, Although we'll see each other in eternity for a long time, so it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. So uh, a couple of times in the last uh, few years, she's arranged like a lunch so we can get together and uh, the three, us three brothers and our wives and uh, just have a meal together. We all have to travel about an hour to a central place uh, in Lewis or somewhere, and so we can all meet and, and have time together. The last time we did this was in November. As we sat in this very cosy pub, because it was quite cold outside, uh, not a big table, it, it just fell out like I suppose it naturally would. We had the three ladies at this end and then the three guys at that end and sort of the ladies busy chatting and sharing all the sister-in-laws. And then us brothers, now we're not very talkative. I'm, I'm not a very chatty person and, and nor are my brothers. I, I don't know why. I mean, we, it's just some people just don't stop talking, do they? And other people, they, they just say less. I'm sort of a person who says less until I'm up here, then you can't shut me up. But uh, yeah, generally say less. So, so, but we got on fairly well chatting. My wife then, at the other end, because everyone does this now, you're taking pictures all the time of just about everything on you. Millions and millions of pictures are taken. And she took one of us three sitting at the other end. We didn't know we were being shot. And she thought, oh, that's... Yeah, shot in that sense. Uh, uh, just a nice photo. So she puts it up on the family app, so anyone who's interested on family note can, can look at that. Uh, she sent it to my son in Scotland, who is quite techy. A lot of you might know Luke and remember Luke. He's very techy. And uh, uh, we were going there after Christmas for the new year and share our presents and things. And he thought, I know what I'll do. I'll take this photo that's been made and I'll make a puzzle of it. So uh, for those that are just listening, I'm now going to show the congregation this puzzle. Here we go. So I can just move away from here. Uh, there it is. The, the Three Brothers Grimm. Uh, this, is, this is me here. And, uh, this is my uh, ancient brother. And then this one's just a couple of years older than me. There you go. It's just, I mean, it's just like a family shop. You know, it's just, there it is. Nothing special. 
uh, in the third world. world. Uh, would I really have made a puzzle out of this? Anyway, so there we go. So um, he uh, sent off and he took the photo and here he is, uh, 500 pieces. Oh. So, uh, so here we are. Uh, now, I can't imagine anyone in the room uh, has not made a puzzle. Everyone's made a puzzle, sometime. It might have only been like a tiny one when you were a little thing. Uh, but they're quite common, and uh, um, they're things that grown-ups tend to do. Uh, and they're, they're quite fun. I'm not a fanatic. I do do maybe two or three a year because uh, I'm still quite busy to find time to do puzzles. But, you know, maybe Christmas or holiday breaks, and I'm thinking, oh, I can't just sit here. So I get a puzzle out and I start to do a puzzle. This is unique, isn't it? No one's got this puzzle by me. No one in the world has got this puzzle by me. You've never seen this one before. It's unique. And it was funny because over that time when I was in Scotland, he gave it to me over that period there, and I had time, so I made it. I've never made a puzzle of myself before. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit weird, um, but it, was, it wasn't too difficult. You see, there's lots of colours. If you do puzzles, you know what I mean, there are some difficult bits, like this blue is... That would be a little bit like get on your nerves because you can't work out. There's nothing to help you in this mood. And I may be just a bit. But there you go. So, anyway, I'll finish with that now. Put that there. I thought when I got home, when I was, uh, when I was doing it, I thought mm, this would make a good, what I would call a modern day parable. We know what a parable is. It's one of the stories that Jesus told, and it was about natural things that people understood. Fishing, cleaning the home, uh, cooking food, just natural things, farming. And in the story that Jesus told, there was a very poignant part. There was a spiritual meaning wrapped up in this story. And often Jesus would tell the story and not explain anything simply go away because that caused the people to think sometimes they didn't get it and the disciples would come to him and say can you explain that because we didn't get it we understood the story because it was about our natural life the sower went out to sow seed remember in the ground and it fell on different sorts of soils they said we don't get it can you tell us what it means and so then he explained the parable many times he doesn't explain the parable we're left to ask questions. What is he saying when he says this? As I thought about the idea of that puzzle being a modern day parable, one verse struck me. It was the verse we read in Ephesians 2 and 10. It says this, for we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's the, the verse that sprung to my mind. That word workmanship is an interesting word. In the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar, and I don't even pretend to be, it's the word poemia, P-O-I-E-M-A. 
we get the word poem from it. So when he said that um, for we are God's workmanship, he was saying we are like God's poem or his masterpiece. It could be referred to not only a poem but a story or a piece of sculpture or a piece of art. Something where the creator, the artist, the artisan, his whole mind and his body and his heart and his hands are involved in making this masterpiece. Isn't it a wonderful verse? For you are God's masterpiece. There is not another one like you. Just like there's not another puzzle like that. There's not another one like you. You are unique. And God has been working on you. It appears even before you came into the world. When I say working on you, it was in his thought, in his mind, in his intellect. You are so precious. It's wrong when you talk yourself down. It's wrong when you criticize yourself. It's wrong when you call yourself names. You must stop doing it because you are criticizing the workmanship of God. When he's finished with us, do you know who we will look like? Yes, you know, don't you? We will look like Christ. You'll have the same, maybe, features that you have now. You'll be the same personality, but your character will be that of Christ himself. Let me then move on with this parable, this parable of the puzzle. We are not just a series of haphazard, random events that form our lives. It might feel like that sometimes. You might say to yourself one day, how did I ever get here? I never planned this. How did I get to this position? Or why did that happen to me in my life? I, I didn't want anything like that to happen to me. How did that happen? Our life is a stream that flows, but it is not haphazard events. All the good and all the bad in your life is used to fashion and mould you to be like Christ. Everything that happens in your life, God has been involved in it. It's deliberate. It's designed. Even when you've made mistakes and gone the wrong way, God has taken those mistakes and he's used them for good to create something precious from it. Amen. And I've discovered, for me to, to go in a positive direction, sometimes I had to start moving in a negative direction for God to show me something and bring me around to the positive. We wouldn't understand what day was unless there was night. We wouldn't understand what white was unless there was black. We wouldn't understand what happiness was unless there was sadness. It, it's obvious, isn't it? So sometimes we have to experience the negative things 
the not so happy things and then we, when we're through it we go, oh, it feels so good. It can't be good all the time or bright all the time. It can't be. That's not how God works things out. I'm not saying that God designs bad things for us to happen. They do happen. Sometimes it's our fault and sometimes it has nothing to do with us at all. Just bad stuff comes along and you go, God, why? And he goes, well, I, I, I can't explain now, but give me some time, please. And I will take this thing and I will mould it or I will bring it into the picture or I will write it into the story or it will be part of the sculpture that you'll go, get it now. I understand now. There might be some things that you never get to understand and one day you'll say to God, God can you just explain that to me? And he'll say, yeah of course. Because this meant this that led to this that opened the door to this. And there you are. It's there. Sometimes we read scriptures in the context of our life on earth. Just 70 or 80 years. And we limit our understanding of scripture to that period of time. That's fully understandable. In fact, we limit a lot of our thinking to just this time on earth. But really, God, when he writes about our lives, he's sometimes speaking about eternity. We just look and focus on this one, but God thinks, oh no, this is simply the preamble to eternity. You don't have to just get stuck in this world. There is a whole world out there that you're going to enjoy. <coughs> this struck me from this thought that I had about God is thinking more about eternity than now. This verse, Ephesians 2.10, for we know... So, sorry, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Somehow we've looked ourselves into thinking that God has been preparing me to do good works in this world. There's something wrong with that thinking because I know that today God is still working on me to procure me to be perfect to be more accomplished, that I might do good works. When? We go, because time's running out quick for Phil to do more good works. Yet he's still working on me to do good works. Surely it's in the world to come. Oh, it makes sense now. See, he would have to do all the good works in you before you were 30 if you were to put them into practice in your life. Well, you know, I didn't even come to Christ until after that. And so, and so the good works he's working into you, the masterpiece he's building, yes, some of it is for this world, but I'm going to suggest to you this, this morning that most of the stuff he's doing in your life is for the world to come. Those of you that listen to me as I come month by month, I've got a bit of a, a vision, haven't I, for the future. Yes? I'm not old and dying. 
am I? No, I'm not. I will die, and I don't think it'll be many decades away before I die. But, but death, death is passing from this world to the next. And the next one's going to be a lot more fun than this one. It's going to be more wonderful, more expansive, more glorious, more fantastic. And so I have a vision, you see. And if you're getting old, you need that vision too. Otherwise you just curl up and die. That's no good. We have a vision for the world to come. Back to my puzzle then. Like I say, I'm not a fanatic. I only do two or three maybe a year. I've discovered that some people do them all the time, constantly. Finish one, start one, finish one, start one. That's not my case. But I thought how the making of a puzzle, the creating, the doing, it, it's a toy, in a sense, isn't it? A puzzle's like a toy, but you don't play it. You make it, or you build it, or you create it, or you do it. This, this puzzle is a bit like the stages of our life. Just as when you start with the puzzle, you're creating a masterpiece, God, when he starts on you, is starting on a masterpiece that will look perfect. Stage one, then, of this puzzle-making I don't know, I suppose we all do the same. I'm, I'm presuming, although some people could do puzzles different from me, you get all the edge pieces, don't you? Yes? You collect all the edge pieces and you make the border. You think, that's it. I'll start with something easy. I mean, you wouldn't just start with a sky or something. I mean, you'd be lost before. So you start with the border. Can I suggest to you that God has created a border for your life? It is what I would call a sphere of influence that you were created by God to live in a certain place at a certain time with certain giftings in your life which created a border around your life. If I think of, say, the Prime Minister of this country, he's got a much bigger border than I've got. It's a bigger puzzle in a sense. A person with more education has a wider border. If you could call people being simple, just simple in that way, they have a smaller sphere of influence. They have a border, a sphere of influence. They have a life to live. God has determined whether you were going to be a tinker, a tailor, a soldier, a sailor, a rich man, a poor man. I won't go to beggar man the thief because <laughs> we'll leave that one out this morning. I found this fascinating verse in Acts 17:26. Let me read it to you. Acts 17:26. It says, "From one man he made every nation of men." We know that from Adam, he was the first. He filled all the nations of the world, all the people they have derived from this man, Adam. That they should inhabit the whole earth, that was his plan. And he determined, listen, 
the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? You see, you're not an accident out of time. You were designed by God to live at this time. And for some reason, close to this church and be here. You could have been born a hundred years ago, somewhere else, in another century. And it would have been a lot different from your life today. You could have been born somewhere distant in this world, that your whole life would have looked different from what it is. God designed you to be here, now, this time, in this generation. There's nothing accidental, you see. You say, what am I doing here? Well, it could be that God placed you here, yes. He just put you here in his wisdom, in his creative wisdom. This verse, you'll know this one, I'm sure, a lot more. It's Psalm 139, and it says this, verses 13 to 16. Talking, David, or the psalmist talking to God. He said, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Amen. Isn't that fascinating? What you do next week, or next year, or in 10 years time, God knows it. It's as though he's already written it in the book. Now, I don't believe that God is determining what you will do. God is leaving you to make choices in your life, but he knows in advance, because he can see into the future, he knows the choices that you will make. He knows the good ones and the not so good ones. And when they're not so good, he can fashion them and use them to create what he wants to create out of you. When we've spent a million years in eternity with our Creator and with the Lord, God's already seen it. He sees all of eternity, which is endless, and he holds it all together in his immense phenomenal understanding that even the very thought of it causes our minds to collapse. Isn't that wonderful? And you know him. You are his child. You have been adopted into his family. All I can say to you is why on earth do you worry about anything? He's so much on it. He is so much intense in your life and you didn't even know it. He knows every breath you're going to breathe and when and where. He knows it all. Oh, it's immense. 
There we go then, we've got our border. How do you do the next bit of the puzzle? Well, we might do this a little bit differently. I've got one of these fancy puzzle boards. Have you got one of these? And you can open the thing up. And what you can do with a thousand piece puzzle, you can lay all the pieces out. So you, at a glance, you can see all the individual pieces. Now you don't know where they go, but you can see them all. You can see their color or their shades or their shapes or whatever it is. You can see it. God can see at this moment the whole of your life for eternity. He can see it as a complete picture, you see. We can't. <laughs> to me, the puzzle, when it's all there, all I've got is a border and a thousand pieces that I don't make any sense out of. There's no picture for me. <laughs> see, as I make the puzzle... This is what it's going to be. And God sees this. With all the pieces all distributed, he sees this. I don't see this. I'm working towards this. But I don't see it. But God sees it. Even in a thousand pieces, he sees it formed, as it were. So all the pieces are there. What's the next part of making the puzzle? I bet you do what I do. You cluster things together. You know, you look at the picture and you think, oh, there's a red pillar box. Right, you dive in and you pick up all the red bits that are the same colour as the pillar box, yes? And you create this picture of the pillar box, yes? And then you see a green car and a woman in a very rosy hat or something. So you, you put it all together, you just get the clusters and all over you've got these clusters of pictures. Your life is full of clusters. Your childhood, your school days, your adolescent years, your juvenile, okay. when you were early married or if you didn't get married that was fine. Maybe you spent a, a gap year somewhere. You went to university. You had an apprenticeship, D different things. See, they're clusters, clusters of your life that God, that God builds on. He works on those small clusters. And to us, they seem a bit fragmented, all over the board, yet not fitting in to one another. In all of these clusters, God was intensely involved in the good and the bad, in the highs and the lows, in the successes and the apparent failures. I say apparent, they were failures. You felt them as failures, but in God's economy, those failures sometimes created the best possible things in your life. When it all went wrong, it caused you to rush to the Lord and in that process, that miserable place, that difficult place, that's where you got closest to him than you've been closer for years before. God knows exactly what he's doing. Isn't it interesting if we had this puzzle finished now and we saw some of the bits, we'd want to pull some bits out and get rid of it? You can't do that because the puzzle would be broken. It has to be complete. You go, I wish, I wish that. 
I wish I hadn't said that or done that or act. I wish I hadn't. And God said, that's all part of it. It's all part of the clusters that make the picture. It says in Psalm 1, 2, 1, 5 and 8, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. That doesn't mean you're going to have a charmed life. It doesn't mean that. What it means is when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's there. It's only a shadow of death. It's a shadow, you see. It's painful and it's dark. But he said, I will always be there. I'm watching over you. Don't worry, I'm always constantly with you. But, but what if I've done something wrong and God doesn't want to walk with me? He's committed himself to walk with you to the end. Well, it doesn't matter what you do, how stupid you are, what foolish mistakes that you make. He's committed himself. He's there. And he will watch over you and protect you. The fourth stage, the clusters are coming together. We can see, we look at this, we look at this. And you finish this bit, and, and you finish the picture, and you've got this face, and you've got, you've got the clusters all coming together. It's starting, it's starting, as it were, a picture to emerge. It says in Romans 8 and 29, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. It's predestined. You will look like Jesus one day. Oh, you can fuss as much as you like. You'll finish the work. In this formation of clusters in your life, do you see yourself looking like Jesus at all? Do you? Does something happen today and you find yourself turning the other cheek, not telling them what you want to tell them? Somehow you meet this person and although they're the unloveliest person that you could meet, somehow something in you loves them. And you go, this is weird. This, this is weird. Who am I acting like? You're acting like Jesus. And you didn't see it. The reason often is because the devil, every time you don't act like Jesus, he goes, see? You're nothing like Jesus. Nothing like Jesus. Nothing like Jesus. But when you act like Jesus, he doesn't say a thing. He shuts up. So as more clusters come together, he has less to say in your life. And you see yourself looking like Jesus. A 21st century Jesus. You find people accusing you, but you don't fight back. 
see it's interesting to be conformed to the image of Jesus surely you've got to go through the things that Jesus went through isn't that logical how can you be conformed to someone if you haven't experienced what they've experienced so you start experiencing the things in your life that Jesus experienced people accusing him when he was innocent people despising him people rejecting him people insulting him so you can't be like Jesus unless these things that happened to Jesus happened to you it's not possible it's not possible that's why it says when someone slaps you across the face you don't jump back at them you just let them slap the other side because you're conforming yourself with his help to be like him it's starting to make sense now we get to the fifth stage of the puzzle making it's that stage where you sometimes want to give up you know you've got all the clusters together and now it's the tricky bit like I said it's the it's all this blue here and there's nothing there to help you it's just all the same and you're thinking oh it's got hard now I can't be bothered with this so I don't know if you're like me I can't leave it out because we've only got a flat so I have to, I have to put it in my special thing and I put it under the bed and it might stay there for a week or even a month or even a couple of months and then I think I think I'll have a go at my puzzle again so I pull it all out and out it comes and it's still hard to do I will finish it it won't beat me it's only a puzzle I'm a child of the living God I have the mind of Christ for goodness sake a picture's not going to beat me so I work at it and work at it until it's finished I must admit there is one puzzle I never finished I had a picture on my wall I liked it much and my daughter-in-law saw this picture and she knew I liked it and she saw the puzzle of the picture so she bought this puzzle for me of the picture and I thought oh this is exciting and it beat me I couldn't finish it so I put it away and then my daughter-in-law said you know that puzzle did you ever finish it and I said no I haven't finished it yet she said can I borrow it and have a go at it well, because you've got to break it all up then, don't you? Put it in the box and gave it to her. And when I visited her, she had finished it. And see? So it came back to me once she had finished, and I started again. And it beat me a second time. I've got rid of it now. I've got to be honest, it was the only puzzle that ever beat me, as it were. It beat me, it beat me. Okay, um, and even in my mind, I think if I saw it again, I might have another go, but I'm moving on in life. Okay. 
Philippians 1 and 6 says this. Being confident of this. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. The day that he has finished his work of sanctification on you. That's the day of Christ. It's only Paul that referenced this thing, the day of Christ, when his work of sanctification is finished. Stage six then, all the clusters are there. You've got all the blues now of the sky, you know, or the green of the field, or you've got the bits that it's very difficult to do. So you find yourself systematically trying each piece, yeah, you know, till you get it. And they're all similar. And you're thinking, oh, this is, that's what God does. He's putting all the pieces together. What happens if you leave the scene of time before he's finished on the picture? Ooh. I tell you what I think. That means you don't have to believe a word I'm going to say now, because I think it. I think we we die. Our bodies go into the earth. Our spirits and souls they go to be with the Lord. Then one day Jesus comes back to the earth in the physical form of Jesus, the man Christ Jesus. On that day when He comes. God gathers all of me together that's in the earth by all energy form and he recreates me and my spirit and my soul come into the physical frame of Philip again. I'm going to assume that as he's created me my eyes are closed and when I open them do you know is the first thing I see? It's Jesus. Oh, isn't that exciting? Have you got a vision of that? It's important. You get this vision of Jesus. It says in 1 John 3, 2, when he appears, when he comes, and I have been resurrected and reformed spirit, soul, and body, and I open my eyes. When he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I think what's going to happen, I will see Jesus, and I will see that is what I am meant to be like. That is the finished work of Christ, that I will look like him. And on that day when I open my eyes, I might not look like him. I might have gone into the grave as I am and come out as I am. But as I look upon him, I will see the finished work. And then in the next world, he will complete his finished work in my life. When will he do this? Well, if you believe in the millennium, that leaves a question mark whether I do or not, doesn't it, by putting it that way. It'll be a thousand years for him to finish the work he started in you, maybe. 
finally stage seven. You know when you get to seven, it's the end, because it's completion. What is the last thing you do that is so exciting about building a puzzle? Help me. Sorry? Come on, you know what it is. Put in the last piece in. Of course it is. Isn't that exciting? When you've got rid of them all, and, there's, and it's, it's a real relief when there's one hole and one piece. Yes? Because in all the to in and fro in, it could be under the floor, under the bed, under the carpet. You don't know. But it's all there. And so you take the last piece, and it gives you great satisfaction to put it in place. I had four sons. Now you can imagine they played pranks on dad and mum, but especially dad. Joel saw that I enjoyed making puzzles. I didn't do it all the time just when I did it. What he thought would be a good thing to do would be to steal a piece. <laughs> and hide it. And hide it. And not tell anyone what he had done. So this he does. So Dad, faithfully over the weeks, I don't know how long, I'm making the puzzle, and I get to the end and I said, Oh, Daphne, that's my dear wife, there's a piece missing. Are you sure? She says. I said, It's not here. So of course, you look everywhere, don't you? Under the chair, under here, under there, everywhere, everywhere, in the kitchen. You And Joel is sitting there. Full of glee. Because <laughs> Dad is suffering. <laughs> and after a while, I look across at Joel and I look, see this strange look on his face. <laughs> and I twig. Yeah. So I just go over to him. I put my hand out. Can you say a word? He knew exactly what I meant. Put it here. Your life counts on it. <laughs> Put it here immediately. And so he runs off laughing and puts it there. And so it goes in. Everything on that puzzle is necessary. The bright bits, the dark bits, the black bits, the grey bits, the shady bits. They make up the picture, don't they? And like I said earlier, you can't pull out any parts of it because it's the complete picture. The good, the bad, the ugly, it's all there. It makes up the complete, the complete thing. It all perfectly fits together. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't God amazing? He can take your mistakes, your successes, your apparent failures, the good, the bad, everything, and he creates this masterpiece. A masterpiece. And it's you. And as God takes a step back and he looks at you, as he looks at the puzzle that you were, he sees a transportation taking place. He sees you, and he sees Jesus. And it floats back to you again, and Jesus, and you. And so he sees Christ formed in you. Now you're fit for eternity, you see. You're fit to live with one another and with him. He sees your life, the life of Christ forming you. It says this in Ephesians, I'll finish on this verse. In him, we were all chosen 
having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Isn't that a lovely verse? He predestined it. Everything conforms to the purpose of his will. Can I encourage you this morning? Don't look back and regret anything. Don't. It's no point. Paul says, forgetting the former things which were quite dark in his life, I press on to fulfill the picture because it is the fulfilling of the picture that's important. Trusting God. Trusting God with all the past, the present, and the future. Keep moving forward until he completes the work that he started in you. Amen. Thank you, Phil. Are you encouraged? Yes. 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 And there's a lot to chew on there, and a lot to think about. And then when we go home, a lot to meditate about. We just think about.